Welcome to the Catalyst Life Coaching Podcast with John Kim and Noelle Cordeaux. If you're inspired to begin your own life coaching practice or just want to learn a little bit more about what it's all about, visit journey.co. That's J-R-N-I dot C-O for more information. Your adventure awaits. Everyone wants to know what makes a successful life coach. In this episode, Noelle and I are going to talk about what we believe are uh, five characteristics that make a successful life coach. And I actually hope that they're different, Noelle, so uh, we're not giving people the, the, the same perspective. I actually took time to really think about this and I wrote my list down with bullet points and subsections. Oh, mine's just like, you know, on cray- uh, with crayon on a napkin, <laughs> which, uh, which is very, uh, which is very telling of our uh, personalities. Yes, this is, this is, this is a metaphor for our relationship, John. It's good. It's, it's us being authentic. Yes. Okay. What's your so, first one? Yeah. Okay. So I will, my, my first one is, uh, speaking of authentic, my first one is um, the ability to show yourself. I think, That's super cool. Yeah, I think um, a successful life coach is a life coach who has the courage to uh, show herself. Um, and if it's challenging to show herself, then that's what she shows. A hundred percent. And I, I, I love that one. That was not one of mine. Oh, good. And one of the things that I like about it is it really highlights the juxtaposition between therapy and coaching. Oh, yes, At absolutely. A hundred percent. That's a huge difference between a coach and a therapist is that as a, as a therapist, you really legitimately, for various reasons, cannot show yourself. Yeah. And we've heard from so many folks who have gone through our program that uh, I might call them therapy refugees, both as clients and professionals, that that's really hard after a while. Yeah. I mean, I've been in both worlds and in therapy school, you're, you're, you're trained to stay very neutral and uh, not show yourself. And then as a life coach, um, I think it's all about showing yourself. And it's refreshing to not have to think about how you're showing up as you're also doing your job. There's just so much less pressure, you know, because if you just show yourself, you just have to be you. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I completely agree. So that's so, one of mine. What's one of yours? Mine, my first one is a successful life coach needs to develop skill in listening and holding space. Oh, so what does that mean exactly? So I've been practicing as a coach for 10 years and something that has been a really consistent experience for me is that people come to the coaching space, to the coaching conversation and many times the things that they tell me as a coach or, or the things that they tell coaches in general is really the first time that they've dared to say out loud what they really want to do with their life. Mm. What they really want to do with their time, what they really, truly, deeply hold and believe. And that's because when you say it to your friends or your family, you know, everybody has a different lens. Everybody has a story about you. Everybody needs something from you. So when you're with a coach who truly is just there to support you, right. oftentimes it's the, the first person that they've ever be able, been able to share this stuff with. I think what you're talking about, active listening and holding space, that 
that's one of the greatest tools in life in general. I mean, <laughs> whether you want to be a life coach or not, I mean, that's something that you're going to carry with you. And that's going to benefit all your relationships uh, with friends, with family, with your partner. It's um, it's a game changer. It's a game changer. And if you're a young coach or you're thinking about becoming a coach, one of the things that you need to realize up front is that having the space to tell these things to someone is often worth the price of admission for coaching. Yeah, absolutely. So if you do nothing else besides hold space for someone, you're doing your job. Yes, yes, I love that. Um, to add to that, my number two is going to be the art of questioning because many people think that uh, coaching is about uh, giving answers and opinions. And, you know, there could be some of that, but most of coaching is about asking the right questions. Or I wouldn't say the right questions, but asking. Um, there's an art to asking questions and using questions as a rudder to guide the session. A hundred percent. That was one of mine. Oh, that's as, okay. It's okay if we overlap once or twice. <laughs> but it's it's truly the foundation of coaching. So do you know where the art of questioning came from in the coaching field? No. Socrates. Oh. Socrates came up with a type of questioning called Socratic questioning. Right. And that is the discipline that coaching is based on. And that's also how lawyers and prosecutors are, tra are trained to draw out through questioning the conclusions that they want the witness on the stand to come to. Mm -hmm. That's really and interesting. It is interesting. And, and in coaching, you know, you're drawing out the questions from your client to get them to come to their own conclusions. Yeah, and you know, the other thing that, that's uh, great once you know that coaching is about questioning is that it takes the pressure off you to have answers. And I think this is one of the things that people um, – it's one of the great misconceptions, and it's what scares people away from life coaching is they feel like they need to have answers to life, and you don't. You don't. You should not be giving advice to no. anyone. As much. That's consulting. Yes, and and then if you're consulting, then you're consulting on a specific topic or a business or whatever. And and and, and the reason why you can give answers there is because you have a lot of experience and and resume. So with life coaching, no one's a master at life, and also your your answers may not be what your client needs. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I have um I actually have a little case study here that I think will fit really well. So let's say there's there's a coach who has a client who. They have a fitness goal and the client says, no matter what I do, I just can't make it to the gym. Mm. So number one rule of coaching, you believe your client when they tell you something. So, so I take my client at my word that no matter what they try, they just can't make it to the gym. But as a coach, I need to get really curious about why and use questioning to do a 360 degree detective session in that client's life. It could be that they are afraid because they don't know how to use the equipment. That's mm -hmm. common when people first start working out. Or maybe they really have just been trying to get to the gym at a time that is never going to work right. whatsoever. And so once you ask questions to get data about the reality of your client's life, that's when you can move on to action steps. Mm -hmm. My third is the ability to read subtext. So I know Ooh. it sounds kind of weird, but um, oh, do 
What's that one? It's it's kind of what's happening underneath, right? A lot of times when we get into conversations, uh, it's easy to just uh, uh, hear what's happening on the surface. Um, and usually as the sessions progress, you find out there's deeper stuff happening. Now, it doesn't mean that you're a therapist, right? And I'm not talking about going into childhood past or trauma and all of that, but there's, you know, stuff in the subconscious, there's uh, 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 false beliefs, there's things that you may or may not want that you're not aware of. So um, just having the ability to, to see things that are underneath the surface. A hundred percent. And I would say, you know, things that are underneath the surface are assumptions. Yep. Projections. Belief systems, limited beliefs, limited beliefs, um, or, you know, those fears like the gym example, you know, somebody who wants to join CrossFit, they've paid and they're just not showing up for those sessions. What is it that, that they're afraid of? Are they afraid that they're not going to be accepted by the community? Are they afraid of box jumps? Are they afraid of lifting heavy things? And Mm -hmm. how can you get in there and understand what's happening underneath? I think if you could just expose, like if you just do that one thing, expose your clients um, what's happening underneath, bring that to the surface and um, and make them aware, that alone is huge. I mean, that alone makes the session so valuable. So valuable. And then push it forward into the future by designing action steps right. to test those fears and assumptions. Right. And I think that's, you know, one of the, the greatest things that that's different than therapy um, so life coaching is all about moving forward in action steps. It's just, you know, it's not just about processing. Indeed. That goes on the list is action steps. Yep. Okay. What's number three for you? So one of my big ones is something that you and I have talked about a lot recently and it's reframing. Mm, yes, absolutely. And that's something that you do as a coach. So during one of our podcasts, I think a really great example is how we talked about someone who is experiencing pain around their childhood or family of origin. So you and I were talking about uh, your parents and how they raised you. And I said, yeah, but you know, your parents have so much that you can be proud of. They were immigrants. They came here. They did really hard things. And everything that you're currently finding shame in, they actually used as tools. And you right. can pull forward pride and resiliency into the future. Yeah, and that was super helpful. And I think whenever someone else can give you um, a story that you are telling, but through their perspective, and there's a there's a shift that can happen there, and you can see something that you didn't before. And in that in that space, there's gratitude and appreciation. And I mean, it could happen really fast. And all that takes is the ability to reframe or um, you know see see your situation through a different uh, perspective, the different lens. And as a coach. It's your responsibility to bring that lens, to bring that reframe to your client and mirror back to them their life situation in just a different light. Um, Number four for me would be the ability to use uh, social media. Uh, just because it's it's media now, it's not just something that you know we're, we. It's not just something we're doing for fun. It's become uh, the way that we communicate and and take in content and all of that. So, uh, you know, you don't have to be like a master at it. I don't. I don't even know what that means. But you just. I. I think you do have to be familiar with it, and you have to do it in a way that's honest to you. So, um, using social media to document your story and to create a dialogue, I think, has now become. 
uh, fundamental in the journey of life coaching. That's interesting. And I, and I think it is. I don't think it's a one-size-fits-all uh, no. category, though. So that I think, what John, what you're talking about is um, a really awesome and interesting way to practice. But I'm a completely different kind of coach. Yeah. I don't have a website. I can't remember the last time I posted on Facebook. And almost every single client that I have has been a word-of-mouth referral. Yeah, you don't, I don't think you need it to be a life coach. Um, but it lines up with my story and I can't imagine where, where I would be if I never used social media. So it it has to be in there for me. (laughs) Yeah. And, and we, that's why we give everybody a pretty good primer on it. And I think it's the kind of thing that once you get into the field, you decide if you want to be a public person or if you don't. Right. Sure. I mean, you could be a life coach and just work with, you know, your church, your, your community, your, you know, whatever in person, you, you can, you can never have a presence online. That's okay too. Yeah, that's okay too. And, and they're just, they're different paths, but they're both super effective. Yeah. What's one more for you? Getting comfortable with silence. Ooh, that's hard. <laughs> so hard. Yeah. So hard. But I think that is one thing that separates a truly great coach from a rookie coach. Yeah. A lot of rookie coaches, when they're silenced, they start panicking and they fill fill it in just with like ramblings. A hundred percent. There's this desire to demonstrate value by filling the minutes of a coaching conversation with chatter. You can tell the confidence of a coach um, when they're comfortable with the silences. That's what that's what tells you that they're actually comfortable and, and it builds trust actually with the client. It does build trust. And as a coach, it also gives you really important information. If you ask a client a question and there's silence on the other end, this is a ding, 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 I hit gold moment. Right. Right. You've actually questioned your client into silence. So this is a signal to you as a coach that there's something there, that there may be emotion, there may be feeling, there's an area to probe deeper. And then also, you know, this is a time to give your client space to process. Yeah. And, you know, I got to say, if you are talking to a life coach and that life coach is doing nothing but talking, then the session becomes a lecture. And so they're actually not really uh, present. Exactly. And the silence is, uh, is proof that you are there with your client. That you're there with your client and that you're letting them direct the conversation. Right. So my final one is, uh, and I know it sounds obvious, um, but I think so many life coaches, including myself, uh, forget uh, we, we make this um, – we do this and it's basically my characteristic is to not make it about you. And it's so easy in life coaching to make it about you because we all have egos. We all have opinions. We all have, you know, all of that stuff that we can bring into our sessions without being aware of it. There's actually something that you wrote that we teach in our course text that I have carried with me on this topic. And you wrote that when you have a desire to share something about yourself with a client in session, to pause for a minute and ask yourself, is this for me or is this for the client? Yeah. 
Yes. Um, I think that if you're a life coach, especially if you, you know, have a full practice or, or whatever you define as a successful coach, um, you can start to tap dance a lot. You know, you could start to uh, go into sessions, just kind of lecturing and telling people what to do. And I think sometimes by doing that, you're making it more about you than your client. Yeah, 100%. So my final characteristic of a successful coach is that you have to have a genuine belief in transformation. Oh, I love that. So you're saying if you don't believe that transformation is possible, then you're not going to be you, successful. Yeah. If, if you don't believe that all humans are capable of transformation, then you have absolutely no business coaching anyone. Well, then, well, then you're a fraud. <laughs> it's, that's called false advertising. Yeah. And, you know, I was reflecting on the mission and values of our company and I was so proud, you know, as we believe there's no such thing as a broken human. Mm -hmm. We believe that everyone is capable of transformation, radical transformation. Uh, we believe that everyone is deserving of an authentic life. And we also believe that you should show up and live these beliefs to the best of our ability. Yeah. I love that one, and I, it's probably one of the, the the strongest one that we've said, and I agree with you 100%. If you don't believe that change is possible, you really don't. You're, not, you're doing a disservice to whoever you're talking to or coaching. Yes. Yes. And that's only a question that you can answer for yourself is can you look this human in the, in the eye and genuinely believe that they're capable of everything that they want to achieve? Yeah. It's like an inner question. It's a, a very personal question. It is. So I want to also say um, when we talk about successful life coaches, uh, it, the word successful is different for everyone. So, you know, my definition of a successful life coach may be different than Noel's and maybe different, and that's okay. So when we talk about the, the characteristics of a successful life coach, I want you to know that the word successful is, is subjective. Yes. And I have a great story to close out with. Mm. So true. my definition of success as a coach is, can I crack people open? Can I touch them? Mm. And there's no monetary value associated with it. There's no career milestone or, or high associated with it. It's if, if I meet a random human on the street and we get into a coaching conversation, can I serve that human? And we were just at South by Southwest with all of our coaches. And there was a gentleman who had a booth nearby and he was a photographer. And we just struck up a conversation mm -hmm. and he said, what's a life coach? How does it work? And I said, oh, you know, I don't know. Why don't we just start talking? I can coach you real quick right now. And he told me his story. He used to be a tech guy living in San Francisco and he lost six family members uh, wow. to random death in the space of five or six months. He was then on the streets of San Francisco, jumped by a gang and severely beaten and oh, almost geez. died. And when he came back to his apartment, he was looking at all of his possessions. He was looking at his couch and his big screen TV. And it just became so meaningless to him. And he said to God in that moment, you know, use me or lose me because I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. And clear as day, there was a message, sell everything you have, go get a camera and start traveling around the world. 
And this guy had never taken photographs before in his entire life. And he started taking portraits of people living all over the world. And Mm -hmm. he went to India and he met a holy man. And the holy man said, I come from an aristocratic family. I had to give away all of my possessions in order to be unburdened. And he took this guy's picture and it so changed him, this conversation, this relationship cover of, uh, of National Geographic. And he was, he's now a famous photographer. He's now at this transition in life. And I said to him, you know, what do you need about, um, you know, making your bed every day, washing your face, eating nutritious foods, um, raising his rates for pictures. And, you know, in that moment, we came up with a basic self-care plan. And then I kicked it to him via email afterwards and just said, hey, you know, here are all the things that we talked about. Make your bed, wash your face. You're deserving of good food. You're deserving of abundance. Raise your rates. You can do this. And uh, he wrote back to me and said, you know, hey, thank you. And I think I'm probably going to coach him pro bono. Wow. What a beautiful story. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And I, thank you for sharing so, it. A hundred percent. So, you know, for me as a coach, that's what success looks like. It's to be able to have those micro moments of connection with people who need help and need support and actually give them tools and a template and action steps to move forward with. Yes, I love that. And I love that we're ending with that because it's such a great reminder. I think so many people think that a successful life coach just means that you have a full practice and that's not what it means, or at least that's not what it means to me and it's not what it means to you. Nope. All right, guys, be well. Thank you. Thanks so much. Mm-hmm.